Women Taking the Lead, Episode 6. As you're interacting with folks around you and they're sharing insights about what they see in you, to believe them. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Your future awaits, so let's get started. everyone and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Dr. Mikael Harris, who is a licensed psychologist, serves as a professor, practitioner, and research throughout Los Angeles County. Her expertise lies in health psychology, assessment, and consultation for children with health conditions as well as their families. Throughout the past five years, she's presented at over 25 national and international conferences targeting pediatric health issues, including grief and loss. Personally, Dr. Harris experienced the death of her mother in December of 2012. Since then, she made it her mission to impact the lives of those journeying through the grief process. Dr. Mikael, that was just a teaser for our audience. So tell us more about you and where you came from. Thank you, Jody. I really appreciate this opportunity. Just want to start off by saying thank you for welcoming me to your show. Um, I am originally from Texas, and I love to start with that because I am a true native Texan, although <laughs> I do reside in Los Angeles, California. Um, so I've been in Los Angeles for almost seven years now, and my transition was kind of quirky in the sense that I thought I was moving here for a year. And as it turns out, it's been seven, and I'm not really sure uh, what the next step will be, but um, I've been really excited to be here and serve. Um, as you mentioned, I work as a clinical psychologist and with children, specifically children with chronic health conditions. Um, and that was really the reason that I uh, moved to L.A. was to train in that particular area. <clears throat> um, I also work in private practice, serving that particular population as well as families, and then do some teaching um, within a clinical psychology program. So um, I carry many hats, but it's definitely not a boring life and I enjoy every moment of it. Wow. Yeah. You clearly have had success in your life. You've branched out in a lot of different areas. You've taken some risks and I, I bet you've, you've gained a lot of confidence along the way, but take us back to a time when you were playing small. And you may not have been aware of it at the time. Share with us a story and the lessons you learned from it. Yeah, I think that um, so the process to becoming a psychologist involved graduate school. And uh, I trained at the University of Houston. Um, what was interesting is that I entered the doctoral program. I knew years ago, probably around 2001, that I wanted to do something greater. And I had just obtained my master's at the time. No one told me that after graduating with my master's that I would be unemployed for seven months. Um, and I think that was the beginning of this churning inside that I knew I wanted to go forward. I wasn't sure exactly where to go, um, but I knew that there was something more. Um, so I entered the doctoral program. And, you know, as you stated, I have experienced a lot of successes. But I think there's a difference in feeling successful um, kind of on the outside and feeling successful on the inside. 
And for me, even though I was doing a lot of things, even though I was doing well academically um, and reaching out in different ways uh, with different communities, I still did not feel inside that um, I was as successful as others described me as. And I would really describe that as my playing small. Um, I distinctly remember a moment where I was sitting at a conference and this was probably three years into my doctoral program. So I was really new. I hadn't did not yet have my graduate degree, my PhD. And I sat with a family and they um, basically described how amazing my speech was and how much they learned and all these things. And, and I, I sat there listening, feeling as if they were talking about someone else. Um, I, would, I would say that's definitely my playing small moment. Um, where I realized that there was an absolute disconnect between the descriptions and how I felt inside. Mm. And how did that impact how you were going about your life at that time? Yeah, I think that what was happening, I was kind of kind of participating along the status quo. You know, in grad school, it's, it's somewhat competitive and, you know, you're wanting to do, to do well and shine and, and look good for yourself and for your advisor and everyone around you. Um, my parents were both very, um, you know, academically motivated. And so that was important for them as well, uh, as well as for me. Um, but I think that what it led to was me kind of going through the motions and kind of almost getting stuck in kind of a routine way of living, but not really connecting with my passion. At that point, I had not yet identified, you know, what I felt like my purpose was and what I felt like my passion was in terms of working with children and families. Mm -hmm. And what I'm hearing in that is when you're not connected with your success, the success you're having out in the world internally, then that can kind of take you off track. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that there's a danger if you're not connecting with this outside success to continue to kind of get on the rat race, so to speak, of chasing it, but, mm -hmm. but not connecting with it. And I think that was definitely the case for me um, several years ago. Yeah, I think uh, many, many women can relate to that feeling like you're living somebody else's dream mm -hmm. and not your own because you haven't you haven't acknowledged how successful you are and what you're capable of. And there is that disconnect there. Mm -hmm. That's great. Now, share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake up call. Take us back to that moment and share with us the steps that you took that led to your success. So interestingly, um, growing up, my mom used to always describe me as a butterfly. And, you know, as a kid, obviously I was connecting simply on a concrete level with, you know, butterflies are out in the air and they fly. And she planted a seed very early on that I would be um, a writer, now, interestingly, um, I really wasn't. The only thing that I wrote were academic papers and, you know, things that, that were required for school. So I would say that my um, moment where I realized, hmm, she was right and I was finally able to connect with myself was when she um, died. My mom died in December 2012. And Prior to her death, probably about a couple of weeks before she died, um, we spent a lot of time together one-on-one. -on -one. And in conversations with her, she reminded me of something that she had said many years ago about me kind of evolving into this butterfly. And we had this conversation around, um, you know, what that meant, what it meant in terms of metamorphosis, 
what it meant in terms of growth and change and what that would look like for me as a writer. So my mom died. And of course, you know, following her death, um, the first, it's been two years or going on two and a half years now. Um, and it's still a very rocky road. However, I would say about nine months following her death is when I finally realized, oh my gosh, I have a story to tell. There's something inside of me that needs to be shared with other people. Um, and I was able to connect this outside success that I had heard all along with, oh my gosh, it actually is inside of me. I believe it now. What, what was it that led up to that moment? What happened just before that? What, was there a, a thought that occurred to you Were you know, I'm just, I'm really curious about what leads up to those moments where we go they were right or, or this is what I need to do. Yeah. I think, um, for me, I had had a series, I know it sounds a little quirky, but I'd had a series of dreams where, uh, I saw myself on platforms. And as I looked out, um, I, I saw, I can't even count the number of people. And I think it was really a symbolic, it was really a symbol of kind of my, my opportunities, my capabilities and the things that I think, you know, that God almost wanted to bring out of me and and bring out into the atmosphere. So I would say that that was probably the beginning. And then of course I'm a journaler. And so, um, in the process of me journaling every day and reviewing them and going back and kind of just evaluating my own thought processes after my mom died, it dawned on me that I had been doing this very thing that, um, was really a gift and was a way to connect with the outside world all along. Um, I've been journaling since I was probably 15 years old. And that writer had always been inside of me since day one. Those are two powerful practices right there is the the writing. And also, I know you said it sounds kind of quirky, but the dreams, but the fact that you had had several in a row Mm -hmm. that you remembered and were striking because, you know, that part of ourselves that knows you know, what we're meant, what we're meant for and the direction we should go in, it will talk to us in a lot of different ways. And if it, if we don't hear the message one way, it'll try another. So well, it's so funny because I, because I was in grad school and I'm kind of a naturally high achieving person, I think I also got caught up in the busyness of everything and just kind of going, achieving, moving on to the next. And I never really had an opportunity to sit and actually think about kind of where I was moment by moment. And so my mom's death really forced a lot of downtime, a lot of quiet time, and a lot of time for self-reflection. And so that was definitely pivotal pivotal to me, um, understanding this new part of myself. Mm, and it is so important. Absolutely. What I want everyone to get is there's no one way to lead. We're all different and we're going to lead differently. Dr. Mikkel, how would you describe your leadership style? I would say, uh, and I've, I've experienced this over the years, I think the best leaders lead by being vulnerable, um, lead by being open. And I don't, I don't intend that to be taken as, oh, I'm an open book. I'm sharing everything about myself. But I do think that it takes uh, a strong leader to say, you know what? Gosh, we've been, we've been going along this path for so long. I realized along the way that we might need to go in a different direction and be okay with that, with okay with admitting, admitting our mistakes, 
uh, and just being open and vulnerable about, you know, what it is to lead. Um, my mentors are ones that have been able to say I made a mistake and have been okay within mid-course correcting and, and trying something new, um, which has given me the fuel to say, hey, I make mistakes too. I'm like everyone else. It's okay. It's part of the journey. Let's try something new. And it seems so counterintuitive, but I think you're absolutely right. Those The leaders who try to avoid looking weak by never admitting their mistakes and always, you know, trying to put on a front that everything's okay and perfect and, you know, they're doing everything great, they end up looking weak. Mm -hmm. But the leaders who are open about their mistakes, who who admit they they misstepped, actually come off being a stronger leader. Um, so that that is a great leadership style. Yeah, and I think my leadership style shifted upon my mom's death. Prior to that, I was, you know, the the high achieving perfectionist, don't make any mistakes, you know, kind of go along the path that everyone's saying. And in her death, it really was a forced vulnerability. Um, I'm not going to lie, Jody. this was not something that I said, yes, I want to be open. Um, mm-hmm. You know, grief is something that is variable and it's um, something that you can't predict moment to moment. And so it was in those experiences where I was forced to be vulnerable. Um, I'll tell a, a quick little story. I went to Costco on a Saturday and, you know, thought I was fine. Of course, I'm trying to keep it together for many reasons. Um, You know, I'm still working. I'm still doing some private practice and trying to kind of um, experience this grief journey in a very composed way. So I'm going down this aisle at Costco and all of a sudden grief slapped me in the face and I was crying in the middle of an aisle looking probably crazy. I'm sure people were wondering gosh, it was it the dishwashing detergent. Did she forget something at home? (laughs) And, um, again, it just slapped me in the face. And I think that it, it reminded me and it helped chart the course from that point forward about how important it is to be open. And I've experienced kind of the greatest opportunities in my life since I've allowed myself to be open and be okay with that. Mm, grief gets the best of we perfectionists, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> there, There is no controlling grief yep. as much as we try to. So all of us out there, and I'm one of them, who like to be in control, who like things to be perfect and pretty and well-packaged. Yeah, yeah. You, you're not going to get away with that while you're experiencing grief because it's just too powerful and it's meant to be. I think that, um, you know, grief is one of those ongoing lessons that you never really overcome it. And I think it's, it's perfectly designed, um, to be that way that, you know, life is not something that you'll ever master as much as you learn, as much as, as much as you experience, as much as you engage with other people. Um, it's not something that you will ever, ever master. So for me to finally be forced to recognize, gosh, it doesn't matter this degree that I have, it doesn't matter all the things that I've done, those are great, but that doesn't, that can't be everything. And, you know, there'll never be a point where I'll know everything or be able to understand everything, including myself. And that is perfectly fine. It actually makes life more adventurous. Um, now I, I kind of experience moment, moments to moment going, huh, that was really fun. I was able to live in the moment right now instead of trying to control it. So it's been, it's been an interesting, challenging and beautiful journey all the same. I love that. 
What is one thing that you're working on right now that you're really excited about? So, um, given the fact that my mom planted this seed many years ago and, um, just the experiences I've had since she died, I made the decision. Uh, well, I, I would say I made the decision. It was impressed upon me through dreams and journaling and just the sense that I had inside of me to start working on a memoir. And so I'm actually in the process of charting this course of grief, um, spiritually, physically, emotionally, um, really with the message of wherever you are along your journey, whatever you're experiencing, it's okay. And we're all unique. Um, so I just want to shed some light and give someone some inspiration about the fact that it's often in the most difficult, challenging, and dark times that the most beautiful things um, are can come to light, much like a butterfly. Um, so I, I give my mom so much credit because, again, she planted a seed as a kid. And here I am. I won't say my age, but here I am <laughs> many years later um, kind of realizing those things that she planted many years ago. Yeah, I think one thing I've learned for myself is I don't think I'll ever appreciate my mother for everything she's done for me because it's their realizations I have as I get older about how, what a powerful force she was in my life, but I just wasn't able, aware, conscious, mature enough to, to recognize it. Mm -hmm. And I look forward to realizing it more and more. Mm -hmm as, as I get older, but there's always that little, you know, a little bit of pain on the inside that I, and I'm not a mother. I don't, I won't ever really know mm. the relationship she had with me. I'll only know the relationship I had with her. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's an incredible journey to be on. It absolutely is. And, um, I work with a lot of children and I'm also not a mother yet, but I do have, I do think that even in our day-to-day -day exchanges with folks and those intimate relationships that we have, that there's such power and beauty in being able to share nuggets, to plant seeds, um, to just really make changes in others' lives. And I think in that sense, while it's not exactly the same, there is an opportunity to um, kind of impart and then if you have an opportunity just to stay connected with those folks, to see the other side and to see the impact that you've actually had, uh, it's, it's amazing when someone comes back and it's like, wow, I did that. And it was based on a five minute conversation that happened five years ago. That's what my mom did for me. Um, in the eighties, there was something that she saw in me and here we are in 2015 and her dream is really coming to light. So I, just give her so much credit and thank God that um, she saw something in me at that time and was able mm. to communicate that. Yes. I, I have to tell you this at my chiropractor's office, they have a bookshelf there. And one day I had a little bit of time before my appointment. So I was perusing the bookshelf and what jumped out at me was a book. And the title of the book was mother is a verb. Oh my gosh. I love that. That's so true. <laughs> It was, 
it struck me to this point, like every now and again, I think mother is a verb. Mother yeah. is a verb. And it it's a powerful message because it is true. We we mother many people in our life. And when I when I say mother, I don't mean in a depreciating way, because I think sometimes people hear when you're mothering somebody, what they hear is smothering. It's not, <laughs> <laughs> so it's not smothering other people, but when you're giving guidance and encouragement and lifting up another person, that is the essence of mothering. Um, and so and that, I can say, um, you know, I'll interact with, with people now and they'll say, gosh, what was your mom like? And I will describe, you know, how she was in the past. And then I'll add, what is she still like? I, I think my mom continues to add to my life and continues to be active um, in shaping who I am, helping me understand myself, and um, really at moments where I'm having doubts about continuing on with the memoir and really being true to her memory, she's that voice that says, Mikkel, look, you're a butterfly and um, you can do this. Keep writing, keep going, keep sharing. Because like you said in the beginning, it really is our stories that impact others' lives. And so I just hope that I'm able to do justice um, as I share my story with others. That's so powerful. Okay. Now I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. Mm -hmm. So tell us what is one practice that makes you a better leader? Hmm, that is a great question. Um, gosh, there's so many things. Honestly, I would say, and again, I, I credit this for the past two years of life is being silent. Um, I think that it it's counterintuitive, um, but I think that sometimes the best leadership quality is to be able to sit back and appreciate others' perspectives. Even though you may have something to add, even though you may have a different way of looking at a situation, to really allow other people to have a voice. Um, as a psychologist, one of the things I've seen in working in therapy is that at the end of the day, most folks simply want to be heard. And so I think as a leader, um, to practice silence and to allow the platform for someone else can be one of the greatest gifts to spur someone on um, to something that they may eventually become a leader in. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? Okay, so going back to my thoughts about vulnerability, I um, accidentally stumbled upon Daring Greatly. This was on one of my, by Brene Brown. She is an, an excellent author and researcher, um, also out of University of Houston, um, that I stumbled upon at an airport. I was traveling to DC and I was in one of those dark moments throughout my grief process. And I thought, gosh, I need something to make me feel somewhat alive. And I saw this book and honestly, it wasn't the title of the book. It was the color. It was literally the book jacket that drew me to it. So I picked it up, got on the plane and I just knew that it was for me. Um, her book really talks about how to be vulnerable and how in being vulnerable that transforms not only the way you live, but also the way you encourage others around you to live. Um, so I think that alone is such a powerful tool that women can utilize to become stronger leaders. What is your favorite healthy food? I, I love protein shakes. I, I am a runner. 
Well, I say that I'm a runner. I've done a couple of marathons and half marathons. I think I, I think we can call you a runner. <laughs> um, and one of the best treats that I experience throughout the day is just a healthy protein shake uh, with a little bit of bananas, strawberries, and mango. That's my favorite combination. So I never tire of drinking them. And as soon as we get off of our call, that's exactly where I'm headed is to get a protein shake and just refuel for the day. I've got mine are waiting for me in the fridge. <laughs> oh, it's so wonderful and so refreshing no matter what time of the day it is. It sure is. <laughs> okay. Knowing what you know now, if given a chance to go back and do anything differently, what would you change? Ooh, gosh, what wouldn't I change? Oh, there's so many things, Jody. Um, I would say... As you're interacting with folks around you and they're sharing insights about what they see in you to believe them. I think that, you know, we live in a, a society and this kind of locked in ourselves and there's so much self doubt. There's so much self criticism and so forth, but to really be able to trust those around you who you love and who you trust, who are sharing something that they see to really, really own that. I think that if I had owned what my mom said about me and others had said about me as a child, I think that would have led me to um, interact in grad school differently because I would have known that as others were saying, gosh, great job, I would have believed it. And I wouldn't have had to stumble for so many years with, hmm, am I good enough? Um, do I have to work twice as hard all the time? Just really owning that, yes. I do have something to offer this world. I do have a gift and I'm going to operate according to that gift as, as best as I can. So yeah, just believing what others say. I I have to underscore that. I It's absolutely true. We can see the potential in other people so well and it's painful when they don't see it themselves, but we also have to recognize there's a part that's in us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. As well. And that's partly why it's so important that when someone offers you a compliment or praises you on something you've done to receive it. Absolutely. Receive it with open arms, unequivocally, unequivocally, unashamedly. I think that our society also is one where we feel as if we say thank you toward the compliment we're being arrogant or narcissistic or too self-involved. And I do think that that can occur at the same time. What's wrong with someone saying, gosh, Jody, I love the way that you communicate and you saying, thank you. And just owning and believing the gift that God has given you. Um, I, yeah, I think that to own those gifts is powerful. And as you own them and you use them and you, you continue to receive that, uh, reinforcement that yes, this is your gift. It only helps to reinforce you, which only helps you to share it even more. And that's why I believe that we are put on this earth is to share gifts. Mm. You are full of yummy goodness. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but before we say goodbye to you, share with us a success quote or a mantra that's important to you and why it has meaning for you. There are so many. Okay. So I told you that I'm a journaler and I'm also a quote freak. I am constantly <laughs> on the lookout for awesome quotes and things to kind of remind myself of um, where I am and who I am. But I would say that my all-time favorite is without change, there would be no butterflies. Um, and I think for me, what that has meant, 
Um, change is something that we don't easily embrace. However, without change, there can be no butterflies. And butterflies, in my opinion, are some of the most beautiful creatures um, on this earth. And so we've got to embrace the change in order to get to the beauty. Um, and in my story, change has meant devastation and loss and suffering. Yet on the outside of that, while it's still a process, I can honestly say that without change, I would not be um, the butterfly that I'm kind of growing into and, and am at this point. So that would be my life kind of quote if I had to pick one. Mm, I love that. Lastly, what is the best way for our listeners to connect with you? All right. So I, as I mentioned before, I'm a, a clinical psychology professor at the Chicago School of Professional Psychology within the clinical psychology program. So my email, I have a couple. If you want to reach me at our school location, it's Mikel, M-E-K-E-L, Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, at the Chicago School dot E-D-U. If you'd like to get a hold of me just personally or to talk about something unrelated to my academic endeavors, you can reach me at Dr. Mikel Harris, all lowercase, at gmail.com. And I can also be reached by phone, 213-615-7257. Twitter handle is at, is at Dr. Mikel, capital D-R, capital M-E-K-E-L. Awesome. And we'll have all of the links in the show notes page. So for those of you who are driving, do not cause an accident. <laughs> it is all there waiting for you at womentakingthelead.com. And Dr. Mikel, I will be reaching out to you for that, the recipe of your protein shake. I think I would also oh. like that in the show notes as well. Oh my God, so um, delicious. So good. I also wanted to add, so. I'll be uh, over the, the next couple of months, we'll be adding information in my tweets and um, in my um, email regarding my upcoming memoir. Um, the title is Relaxing into the Pain, My Journey into Grief and Beyond. And I'm excited for publication in early summer. So please be on the lookout for that. I look forward to sharing my story with you. Awesome. Dr. Mikhail, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We're all better for having met you. Thank you so much, Jody. I just appreciate the time that you carved out and just for creating a space for me to be able to share. So thank you. I hope Dr. Mikhail fed your soul as much as she did mine. And you can find all the resources mentioned in this episode at womentakingthelead.com. Or if you love efficiency like I do, you can enter womentl.com and you'll find her in the podcast tab. And if you have a few moments and you're at your computer, or at least not driving, if you could head on over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for Women Taking the Lead, I would appreciate it. It gives me insight into what you like and would like to see more of in the show, and it also enables others to find the show more easily. Thank you all for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. And to strengthen you on your own leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson, so here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. 
We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.